Today's year begins 16 lines from the top of Daf Nun Tes. Before we begin the actual Gemara text, we glance at the topic heading that we have in the margin that reads, Birur Shitas Shmuel. We're going to be focusing and analyzing the opinion of Shmuel, Be'inyan Odom Makdish Dovor Shelo Bali Olam. Can a person sanctify something that hasn't come to be yet, that hasn't, that is still in the future? So now we turn to the Gemara itself. Omar Shmuel, Halocha Kereb Yochanan Hasanlor. The halacha follows the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan Sandlar. The result of that is that a person cannot makdish the Moser Maisiyadayim. We learned back on the Nun Chesumet Beis during our previous year that a woman who produces more than the basic amount that she is expected to produce in terms of work output, the Mosar, if a husband sanctifies that, so according to Rebbe Meir, we saw that the hektish, that the sanctification takes hold. But according to Rabbi Yochanan Asamblar, he said, Chulin, the sanctification that the husband attempted to impose on the Mosar, Maisiyadayim, doesn't take hold. And the conclusion is that as far as Rabbi uh, Yochanan Sandler is concerned, a person cannot be makdish that. And the thinking is that it's something that hasn't come to be yet. She hasn't produced this extra output and therefore the sanctification doesn't take place. That's the thinking right now. Now the Gemara asks, Umi Omar Shmuel Hachi notice this question lasts a number of lines does Shmuel really say that a person cannot sanctify something that hasn't come to be? We have the following Tanaic source. If a woman declares the work output, her profits, a konam. Konam is a word that we'll see more in Maseches Nidorem, indicating prohibition. It's like saying that my output should be like a like a like a sac- sacrifice, something sanctified. And she focuses her iser, her prohibition on her husband. She says that that which I produce shall be konam, shall be usr. So the Tanakama says, the husband does not have to even bother annulling that vow. It doesn't take hold because that which she produces belongs to the husband it's his so she can't forbid something on someone who is the rightful uh, the one who is entitled to it Rabbi Akiva says it's worth the husband's while to annul it because she might produce more than the basic we call the Mishka Chamesh Sloim the basic amount uh, and if he doesn't annul it so that will be prohibited to him and the, uh, the uh, amount above and beyond which she must produce is not his and that's something she could sanctify so the recommendation is that the husband should annul the vow Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri Omar 
Zofer, he should annul this vow, and here we want to add that the annulment is not directed just at the Mosar, the, even the basic Maisiyodayim, the basic work output of the woman, in which uh, she uh, included in her vow, in her prohibition, ne- that vow needs to be undone. Why? Shemo Yigar Shena, the Te Asura Lachzor. The husband might one day divorce her, and because of this prohibition that she has imposed, it will then take hold. Notice the reference to the future aspect of things. Uh, when he divorces her so she's no longer bound to him and the whatever she produces will be prohibited to him and it'll be also for him to take her back because once his uh, once her output her work production is prohibited he won't be able to uh, keep himself from benefiting from her in the event that he were to take her back so by the vow taking hold he won't be able to uh, ever take her back? V'yomar Shmuel halacha k'Reb Yochanan Nuri, and Shmuel rules that in fact the halacha follows Reb Yochanan Nuri. So what is Reb Yochanan Nuri suggesting? What is he saying? He's saying that the husband should uh, annul the vow, which covers the basic ma'isiyadim, because that vow will take hold. And konam as we mentioned before, is a a type of sanctification. So that from here, you could see that a person, uh, a person's vow, uh, or a person's sanctification, can take hold of something that hasn't come to be yet. And Rashi points this out a few lines down from here. When he divorces her, that's the point in time at which she's no longer bound to produce for him, obviously. The, the nether will take hold, and we explain the nether is a form of sanctification. She used the word konam. Alma odom maktish davar shelo boli olam shadayin lo girsha. You see that she has the power to prohibit something that hasn't come to be. He hasn't divorced her yet. So we have a problem. On the one hand, Shmuel was ruling like Rabbi Yochanan Hasadlar that uh, the uh, husband cannot matish the Moser Maisiodayim it hasn't come to be yet and here we see that uh, the Konam that the woman takes takes hold even though the situation hasn't come to be yet the house marking that you see and the numbering that accompanies it represents four answers to resolve Shitas Shmuel this uh, uh, numbering continues till Omid Beis You'll see Rav Ashi appearing as number four. The Gemara continues. Ki Omar Benuri, the statement of uh, Shmuel's ruling like Rabbi Yochanan Benuri, that is Lehadofa. That's a reference to the amount that's above the basic amount that she is obligated to provide for her husband. Now Rashi is quick to point out that that this response nevertheless leaves room for still asking the question the Hadafa also is something that hasn't come to be yet. So this doesn't really answer the question. Nevertheless, uh, 
ha- having said this, this is going to uh, lead us into other questions. So if we, you can see this is found in Rashi. Ki Omar Shmuel, we're looking at Rashi together. Halach Rabbi ben Nuri Lahadofa Komar Klomar Halacha the Yofer. The Halacha of Shmuel is that the husband, of, you know, the Halacha following Rabbi Yochanan Nuri's ruling, the husband shall uh, annul the vow. Yes, he shall annul the vow. The lav mitame, but not for the same reason. The ilul Rabbi Yochanan ikur meisiyadeot zorach hafara. According to Rabbi Yochanan uh, ben Nuri, the basic meisiyadayim needs hafara. Uh, needs him to uh, be the, needs that vow to be annulled regarding the basic work output. Ushmuel, not so. Rather, Mishum Hadofa Shema Tadif Alaroi Hu De Omar Yofer. Shmuel's concern is only with regard to the extra that she might produce. Vashtonami Havimotzlak Shuis of Sof Lo Bali Olam De Holo Nase. Still, you could ask the question, but even the, the Hadofa hasn't come to be. So, how does that solve the? Problem we raised with Shmuel before, giving us the impression that a person cannot makdish the dover elo akshi Rather, the Gemara is going to present a, another question. So let's continue in the Gemara. Velema, if that's Shmuel's intent, then he should have said halacha krebiyochanon ben nuri lahadofa. That the halacha follows Rabbi Yochanan Nuri regarding the extra amount. That the hafora is not for the basic ma'isiyadim which she is bound to her husband, but regarding the extra. Inami, another way Shmuel could have posed things is ein halacha ketanakama. The uh, Tanakama simply said he doesn't have to uh, annul, and Shmuel is saying that an annulment is necessary. Well, why didn't he say that? Why didn't he just say inami? Another possibility for Shmuel to have stated things simply could have said halacha Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva spoke about hadofa, that the the annulment should be for the hadofa. Now, since Shmuel didn't say any of these, let's say preferred uh, preferred expressions. So there's something wrong with this particular number one answer. Elo Omar of Yosef. So we go back to the drawing board realizing we have a question. On the one hand, Shmuel said that Aloha follows Rabbi Yochanan Hasanlor, that the uh, one who is Maktish the Mosar, it remains Hulin, meaning Eino the Maktish Dovashol Baliolam. On the other hand, Shmuel is heard to have ruled like Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, which indicates that hafora is needed on a dover shelo bali olam. So Rabbi Yosef says, Are you raising your question from a source dealing with a vow taken in the konom fashion? Shiny konomos, the the a vow or a, a, a right a vow t- using the word konom is different. Me. Um, we we have to point out, uh, and this is a point that Rashi makes uh, makes when you study Rashi, that as opposed to standard hektish, when someone sanctifies something, his sanctification apply, uh, uh, renders the item forbidden to everyone. It's, it's, it renders it forbidden across the boards. When someone sanctifies an animal to the base, I mean, so that animal now belongs to the base. I mean, no one is allowed to benefit from it. 
when someone uses this kind of uh, a language, konam, it's a specific, personal type prohibition. It's a focused prohibition. It's not a general population imposed prohibition, but it's a prohibition imposed on a person, on a specific individual. So, the uh, with that in mind, Rav Yosef says koinomos are different. Mitoch she'adam oiser peirois chaveroi alav, adam makdish davar shelo bali olam. Through konam, a person can pro- prohibit peiros chaveros, someone else's fruit on himself. So that if if A is the speaker and he's looking at Mr. B, A says that I want to pro- prohibit on myself, Mr. A, Mr. B's fruits. Now, Mr. B's fruits are not a possession of Mr. A. He doesn't own them. They're not his. And yet his vow, when he, when he, when he phrases it in the konam fashion, it takes hold. This is as opposed to a person, for example, cannot makdish. Mr. A cannot sanctify Mr. B's fruits. They're not his. But when you use konam, your vow does take hold, even though it's something that it's not in, that's not in your possession. And just like the konam has power over things that hegdish ordinarily would not have power, likewise, a person can also sanctify something that hasn't come into being yet. So that when you're uh, when you say Odomatish, I would like I just like to uh, add to this Boloshon Koinom, which was the case uh, in the in the uh, source with Rabbi Yochanan Menuri. We mentioned already that Rashi makes this point that since uh, Konam takes place in a situation where. Uh, where you don't have full control, in other words, you can't makdish someone else's produce, but you can prohibit on yourself through konam someone else's produce. So too, uh, when you're dealing with the davar olam, it also works. Omar lei abaye bishlama adam oiser peros chavero alav abaye questions Rav Yosef and he says I understand that a person can aser, can prohibit his friend's fruits on himself just like I can prevent I can prohibit my fruits on my friend so that when it comes to uh, uh, the example that Rav Yosef cited about a person's effectiveness in assering fruits so so when you don't have control over one side of the equation that doesn't mean that the prohibition can't set in so that is uh, we can see that just like uh, I and no one would disagree with this I can prohibit my fruits on someone else I therefore am able to prohibit someone else's fruits on myself However, ye aser dovar shelo bal oilam al chaviro. But to use that example of 
my being able to answer someone else's fruits on myself to uh, serve as a basis for uh, for the uh, woman answering the uh, the work production on her husband because of uh, 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 that should take hold sometime in the future that's a little far fetched. She can ain odom oiser peros chavero al chavero when you have no control over both ends of the equation. So then the nether, the vow, won't take hold. So just to go over this point again, when dealing with a situation where we have one, uh, we have control in one side of the equation, either it's yourself or the fruits. So then the vow can take hold. But take, for example, someone tries to prohibit someone else's fruits on that other party. That doesn't work. Mr. A says to Mr. B, you know, Mr. B, I want your fruits to be also on you. That doesn't work. So by the same token, says Abaye, how can someone have, uh, how can someone's vow take hold on something that, A, on, on, one, on, on one level, you're talking about prevent, preventing an item on someone else, and B, the item hasn't even come into existence yet. We look at uh, Rashi on the uh, last narrow line. Omerle Abaye, Ma Raya Peros Chavero Olov Lekan. How can you, Rav Yosef, try to uh, explain the ruling of Shmuel like Rav Yochanan Ben Nuri based on the example of uh, someone prohibiting someone else's fruits on himself? Shehain Peros because the case over here is a case that would parallel would more likely parallel peros chavero al chavero where the speaker is prohibiting the other party's fruits on that other party the achshav with regard to the maisi uh, of the of the married woman he mishubedeslo yodeha she is bound to him with regard to his work production her work, that is her work production it's, it's not fit for her to uh, impose a konom prohibition and uh, you said that it would be it would take hold uh, that is Rabbi Yochum said it would take hold when he divorces her and the as we said before, this is a Dover Shalom it hasn't come into existence yet we had made mention before in our explanation that in the case of the lady uh, ossering, the married woman ossering her Maisyadayim uh, on her husband and the uh, expectation of his of that, uh, the idea of that taking hold when it uh, comes into, uh, when he would divorce her uh, we said that that doesn't have a precedent in the case of a person prohibiting his fruits on his friend because in the case of someone prohibiting his fruits on his friend so he, the individual there who is vowing has control over one element in the case of the vow taken by the woman she has no control over either element and this analysis you can see at the, in the third to last tasters on the page 
at the end of the Tosis, he says, Lefishishnehem enom birshuso. Both are not in his power. Just like the case of someone prohibiting his own, uh, someone else's fruits on someone else. Therefore, uh, Rav Yosef's uh, answer uh, falls away by virtue of Abaye's objection. Therefore, the, we go on in the Gemara. Elo Omar Rav Huna of Yoshua. Boimeris, the woman who is vowing in the source with Rabbi Yochanan Nuri, is saying, Yikachu Yodai Loisehem. Let my hands be sanctified with regard to their work production. The Yodayim Isnubolam, the hands exist. So that with this answer, you don't have the Dover Olam problem whatsoever. So that Shmuel in Pasking earlier, like Rabbi Yochan HaSandlar, that the Moser doesn't become sanctified because it's a Dover Shalobolam, that's right, you don't sanctify things that haven't come into being yet. And Rav Huna Rav Yeshua is explaining that Rabbi Yochan Ben Nuri's uh, point covered something that already existed, namely her hands. The Gemara asks, so even if she were to say that would it would it take hold she is bound to her husband the Amra well where she says migrasha that names that that means that I want my hand my hands which exist right now to be sanctified with regard to their work production uh, upon my divorce at the po- at that point so she's no longer bound to him. Now, as we go on in the Gemara, you'll notice a new geometric form on the side under our uh, Tat Mivnes is a um, called a subheading, uh, a substructural heading. This is a uh, Ma'akav. A Ma'akav is an attempt to keep track of a back and forth discussion. The um, narrow part of this trapezoid facing upwards represents Kushio Salhezber number 3 the inverted trapezoid or volcano shape represents Chuvas responses so the Gemara asks on Rav Huna's explanation Umi Iko Midi is there anything the Ilu Hashta Lo Kodesh Ulakame Kodesh that when the speaker is speaking the sanctification doesn't set in, but it will set in later on. The Rashi explains this more four lines from the bottom. You explained the element of uh, that which hasn't come into existence yet, where we said vows don't take hold, with regard to the work element. And that was through the answer that we gave of Yikachu uh, Yodai Lo Sehem, where the focus of the neder of the vow was on the hands that are around. However, there's still a problem. Lo Boli Olam de Gerushin, Lo you're still dealing with a, a, po- a, a, point that ha- a point in time that hasn't arrived yet, namely the divorce. Dilu Hashta Les. Right now, she doesn't have the right to sanctify. She is bound to the husband. 
once again, so, so this, this answer that he gave by saying uh, sort of begs the question. If the whole issue was that Shmuel originally ruled that sanctification concerning things that haven't come to be yet does not take hold, how come here does it seem to take hold? So the Gemara responds. We go back to the Gemara. Omar Rebeloi, Alomalo, why does that bother you? Why does this future aspect bother you? Uh, for we have uh, precedent for these working. Imagine someone says as follows This field that I'm uh, about to sell you. When I buy it back from you, tikdash, I want it to be sanctified. Milo kocha. Would uh, anyone say that it doesn't become sanctified? It does. Now, when's the sanctification to take place? At a at a future point. So it works. So why should it be a problem for us to say that? the woman's vow will take hold when she becomes divorced. Maskif law Rav Midomi. Rav then now challenges Rav He says, how can you compare this case with the field and the situation of the woman? Hasam, in the case of a person who is currently the owner of a field who is about to sell it to someone else, in that case, biyadoi lahaktisha. It's in his power to sanctify, to, to sanctify it right now. Right now, it's his. So since he has control over it right now with regard to immediate sanctification, so he has control over the future as well. However, in the case of the woman, she doesn't have the power to, to divorce herself the husband has to initiate the divorce. She can't divorce herself. Hello, Damyo, and if you want to keep this field parallel going, I'll show you how we still have a problem here. This would be similar. The field that I sold you in the past. In other words, I don't have control over this field. Now it's yours. When I buy it from you, so I want it to be sanctified. The low kacha, it doesn't. The sancti- sanctification doesn't take place. Maskif law Rav Papa. So Rav Papa now has a response to Rav Yirmiya. Me dummy, how does your objection compare though to the case of the woman? Hasam in the uh, in the. Uh, case that you cited Gufa Uperos the field in question where we said the sanctity doesn't take hold is where the, the basic field itself and the produce is in the possession of the other fellow so you have no control over something that's not in your possession whatsoever in the case of the woman Gufa who her body is hers Uh, it's true that her obligations are right now not hers she's bound to the husband but her body is hers if you want to 
show how the woman's sanctification could take hold, think about the following parallel. Someone says to his friend, we continue at the top of Omid Bey, Sodezu, She Mishkanti Loch, this field that I set up as a as a as a as collateral for you. In other words, I uh, I have this field here and I borrowed I had borrowed money from you. I still owe you money and I gave you a field as collateral. Mashkon. This field that I gave to you as a mashkon, when I redeem it from you, tikdash, I want to declare it sanctified. Tikotsha. That works. So that even though right now he's not in control of it, he's given it over as collateral, uh, this, the, this future element, this future-oriented sanctity takes hold. Likewise with the woman. She's right now bound to the husband by, uh, uh, as far as her work production is concerned. But the, uh, when the divorce takes place, so then she's in her own control. Maskif law Rav Shisha Dravidi. Now here... Uh, we uh, did not mark this maskif with a uh, geometric form because in terms of the direction of things uh, Rav Shisha is in agreement with that which has been said till now but he doesn't like the example with the mashkon uh, the field and mashkon case that was given but in terms of the direction that that he takes, he's trying to take the same direction uh, as Rav Papa did to sh- to show, but he'll have to do it through another example to show how the sanctification should be able to take hold. So uh, w- that's why we're not changing the direction of the discussion. It's a uh, as we said, a focused kind of question on the moshal, on the analogy. That's it. So Maskif of Midomi, how does your case with the field and the collateral compare to the case of the woman? Hasam so there the person who borrowed money can redeem it right now. There's an element of immediacy and hence control. Haha, in the case of the woman, she doesn't have the power to divorce herself. Ha lo damya elo liyomilachabero. If you want to, we'll say we'll keep the the uh, field and and collateral analogy going. You'll see the following analogy would be more accurate. A man says to his friend, "Sodezushe mishkanti lochli eser shanim." This field that I've given to you is collateral for ten years. That means that for ten years you have the right to benefit from its produce. It's it's yours for ten years. Then when I pay up the loan or redeem it from you, uh, ten years hence, I want to declare it sanctified. The sanctity takes hold. Notice uh, that we've uh, dashed underlined the just like it appeared right before of Shisha Bray on the second line from the top, showing that we're going in the same direction as Rav Papa did. Just using a different analogy, where the where the owner of the field was not able to redeem it uh, immediately, just like the woman was not able to divorce herself. Maskiflo Ravashi. Now Ravashi he questions 
Rav, uh, Rav Shisha's Moshal, and he also questions his, his conclusion. That's why we have the repositioning of this uh, into the of this geometric form, the volcano shape, pre- uh, presenting a problem, a question. So, Maskar of Ashi, Midomi, Hossam, how can you compare? How can you, Rav Shisha, compare the case of the uh, ten-year collateral to the case of the woman? There, I, we can guarantee you that ten years hence, this uh, man, the uh, the borrower, has the power to re- to redeem his field. The woman never has control over her own divorce. So, being that she has less. She has no control over that future element. Why should, uh, if, if Shmuel is going to rule like uh, Rabbi Yochan Menuri, he's in effect saying that a person when before he had ruled like Rabbi Yochan and Hassanler regarding the Mosar, Rabbi Yochan and Hassanler indicating that ain't other so we haven't, we haven't uh, resolved the Shmuel problem. Elom Ravashi, Konomos Koamris. Ravashi goes back to the Konomos element of uh, Rabbi Yochanan Benuri's um, ruling in the source upon which Shmuel, uh, according to whom Shmuel ruled. Yes, the Konomos thing is different. In general, but when you introduce a vow in the Konomos form, shiny Konomos, Konomos are different. The Kedushas Haguf Ninu. You're imposing on the item that was the focus of the Konam inherent sanctity. Inherent sanctity. There's a difference between someone who is Makdish, an item to the base Hamikdash. When someone is Makdish, an item to the base Hamikdash, so they're in effect sanctifying the the value of the item. A, a person, for example, can Makdish. A, a ladder to the base of Migdash. You can Makdish his car to the base of Migdash. The base of Migdash then will, is said to be the owner of the value of that item. It's, and the item is then redeemed and the value is given to the base of Migdash. However, there, there are forms of sanctity that, um, where you, whereby you impose inherent sanctity. For example, if a person has a an unblemished kosher variety animal like a cow, uh, a kosher variety domesticated animal, a behemoth, a cow, a sheep, a goat, and he sanctifies it, that cannot be redeemed anymore. That gains something called kedushas haguf, inherent sanctity. Well, kainamos has that element too. And along with that comes the following halachas. Kainamos represents kedushas haguf ninu, uchidurava, Three uh, halachic uh, entities. They cancel any liens that might have been there beforehand. For example, if a person owed money and he told the creditor, uh, if I don't pay you money, then uh, I want you to know you, should, you can collect from my uh, cow. So he was mishabed. He was mishabed his cow uh, to the loan. He put a he imposed a lien on the cow as a means of payment for the loan. And then the owner of that cow 
uh, turned around and sanctified it as a korban, as a as a sacrifice. That undoes the lien that the creditor had on the cow, and that creditor will simply have to find another means of collection. With regard to chometz, uh, Rashi describes that. And Shikhor likewise has to do with a person who uh, said to a creditor, if I don't pay the loan, then collect from my uh, slave. And then the owner of that slave who owed the money, uh, the owner owed the money, he then freed the slave, making the slave a full-fledged Jew. They, the freedom takes hold, and the person who owed the money, the person who the creditor was trying to collect the money, will have to find another source. So, with... Uh, with that in mind, so the, the woman, we, spe- we said the whole time she was bound to her husband, but she used a konam expression, and that, that undoes the shibud, the undoes the, the obligation that she has to the husband. The Gemara asks, well, if that's the case, we go back into the Gemara, says, v'niktishu so then it should become sanctified now. Why does, in the source with Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri, did he speak about that the husband ought to annul the vow immediately, because otherwise it will take hold, because he might divorce her, and, and then it will take hold. But if you're saying that konam is mafkia shibud, it undoes any any obligations, it should be sanctified for them. Her work production should be sanctified from right now. The Gemara says, as far as that immediate element is concerned, Almua Rabbonon Lishibudei Debal, the Rabbonon uh, increased the husband's claim on her work to be a claim stronger than the claim a creditor has on his loan collection, and rather they made the husband like a purchaser, like a lokeach. In other words, his his claim to her work production is 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 as, as, as if someone who had bought an item, and therefore she is totally bound, and therefore the hektish. Uh, even though it's mafkia shibud, it's not mafkia the husband's current claims on it. So let's read that phrase again. Almua, Rabbon Almu means they strengthened. Rabbon and strengthened the Shibudei, the Baal, the husband's uh, uh, claim to her work production. So that it will not become sanctified from right now. So that you have a, on the one hand, since Konam was used, it, it uh, can undo the uh, the shibud, but not in an immediate sense. So the the konam aspect will say overcomes the the future problem, the dover shaloba oliolam problem. It's mafkia the shibud, but you don't see a manifestation of it immediately because of this last point that the rabbonon upped the uh, increased the bowels. A claim on it. Before we continue, we glance at the side of the Gemara, the Nosei, the topic ending. We see Malachos Sheisha Chayav Lasos Avur Bailo Umahi Yecholo Lafchis Im He Machnisos Shvachos. Maybe uh, just before we go on, we'll go over this topic ending again. I just didn't want to leave any loose ends from the previous discussion, and that is that Shmuel. We 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 should realize that as far as the problem we raised with Shmuel's ruling, he, his ruling like Rabbi Yochanan Asanler, that a, 
a person cannot be maktish the moser maisiyadayim on the grounds that it's a dover shalobal olam. That's true with regard to standard sanctification. When it came to Shmuel's ruling, like Rabbi Yochanan Nuri, which seemed to run counter to this, because we saw sanctification taking place in the event that the husband divorces the wife, and therefore it was advised for the husband to annul it now, otherwise the vow would take hold, even though it seems to be a double shalom So we answered that that was a case of kinomos, and kinomos is different. So you basically ain't all the makdish dover shalom and when you get into the realm of konamos, so a different set of laws apply. So there's no contradiction in Shmuel. So now we let's repeat the new topic heading: the nosei melachos shoisha chayov chayeves lasos of war bylaw, different different um, work production that a woman is obligated to do for her husband. Let us say of a woman that enters the marriage along with bond um, um, maidservants. Uh, so the maidservants that she brings into the marriage along with her, she owns maids, she owns uh, uh, servants, shouldn't they be able to do those things? So now the Mishnah. The following are our uh, services, our efforts that a woman must do on behalf of her husband. Teichenes has to do with grinding uh, wheat into flour, ve'oifa, and bakes, machabeses, washes, washes clothing, mevasheles cooks food, menikas bina, and nurses her child. Matzas lo hamita, she make she puts on the bedding of their beds for Oisir and she does um, wool work. She spins wool. Hechnisa lo achas if the woman entered the marriage with one uh, maidservant lo tochenes velo velo mechabeses the maidservant will take over those aspects of a wife's obligations. Shtaim, she brings in two maidservants, then in addition to the the uh, dropping of the wife's obligations of Teichenes, Oifen, Mechabeses, Ein Mevasheles, Vein Menikas, Benah, there's two more drop, uh, the cooking and the nursing. Shalosh, if she brings into the marriage three maidservants, Ein Matzas, Lo Amita, Vein Oisa, Betzemer. The wife doesn't have to make the beds anymore, nor do any wool work. Arba, if she brings in four maid servants, Yosheves Bekatedra, then she sits Bekatedra. Um, uh, she sits w- without a literal translation. I mean, she sits uh, on on the couch. Rashi says Yosheves Bekatedra lo titrach b'shvilo. She doesn't do any anything for him. Lelech b'shlichus lo the chevitz mibaisalia. The the wife doesn't even have to bring things from downstairs to where the husband might be sitting upstairs. She just sits. Uh, where uh, she can sit still all day if she should want. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, with a very insightful remark, says even if she brings in a hundred maidservants, the husband can force her to do something, to work with the, to work with the wool. Non-activity. This non-activity leads to uh, to Zima, 
Zima has to do with uh, pr- uh, promiscuity, uh, with um, immorality. Rav Shumamli if a man would take a vow uh, that would lead to the woman not doing uh, any malacha, yotzi, v'yiteng suba, that's grounds for, for divorce, he should divorce her, pay her her suba, because what the husband has done, he's done a major disservice to her, he's, he's created a situation where she'll have nothing to do, because anything she does will create prohibition, because of the vow. And if she's left without anything to do, that will Shabbatolo inactivity results in Rashi says she gaon. We can say insanity. So you see in this uh, Mishnah two uh, very insightful comments about the perils of inactivity of uh, batola. Uh, its ability to promote promiscuity, uh, immorality, as well as insanity. The Gemara uh, asks about the first activity mentioned. Uh, it's a technical question. It's maybe almost a, gr- a grammatical question. Uh, Rashi says, Do you mean that the woman does the, does the actual grinding? The, the grindstone, which happened to be a very heavy entity, a, a, a grindstone was attached to a, a, a water wheel, a water paddle, which, uh, which was, of course, situated next to some type of flowing uh, body of water, a stream, a brook, a river, and the flow of the water would, would turn the water paddle, which was attached to the grindstone, and that's what ground the wheat. So the Gemara asks, wow, how can you say that the woman does the grinding? What the Mishnah describes as the woman's obligation is matchenes. And Rashi says, She does the other associated activities, not the actual grinding of the grains, but she will pour the raw grain into the afarches is the funnel that enables the grain to reach the area between the grindstones, and then she also will collect the kemach, the flour, at the other end. So that's what the woman's tochenis obligation is. Viboy seima. <coughs> Another approach is actually quite literal that she does the actual grinding. Berechaya diyoda, a hand-operated grinder, a small hand-operated grinder. Masnisen delok Rebichia. The Gemara points out that our Mishnah is not like Rebichia. Um, our Mishnah uh, indicates uh, things that a woman must do that will cause a liability or depreciation of the woman's beauty. The Tony Rebichia. Ein Isha Eloliofi. Rabbi Chia tells us that a woman is for her beauty. In other words, the, a man marries a woman and her beauty is an essential element that must be preserved. A woman is married for uh, producing children, for creating a family, creating a, the continuity of the Jewish people. 
V'tani Rebchia, Ein Isha Elo, L'Tachshite Isha. A, wom- a, a man marries a woman, he marries her for the purpose of uh, buying her adornments, uh, jewelry, uh, cosmetics, for her to look pretty and to, to, to increase her attractiveness. V'tani Rebchia, Haroitz Shiadein Ishto, Rebchia, in the same um, vein of thought, says a person who wants his his uh, wife to have a Ya'adain, um, improved complexion, Yalbishena Klei Pishton, he wants to, uh, we said complexion, Rashi says, Sha'adain is Ziva, her glow. So he should uh, clothe her with Klei Pishton, with linen clothing. Harotsha Shi'albin as Bito, if he wants his daughter to become, uh, uh, have a, a bright, uh, a light complexion, Yachileno Efroichin, uh, he should have, feed her uh, chicks, v'yashkena cholov somach lepirka, and provide f- milk for her to drink uh, as she enters puberty. Umeniko esbena. The Mishnah mentioned that a wife is obligated to nurse her child. There's a no say topic heading on the side. Uh, which reads Machlokes Beisham Beisil Imisha Mishubedes Lahanik Ezbena. So, a Tanaic controversy is a woman obligated to nurse the child. Uh, we have a Mivneh structural note, a Maakav, an attempt to keep track of the back and forth style of Mora. The narrow point facing up Sheila. The question is raised: Should we say that our mission is not like Beishamai? And the inverted triangle, Chuva, a response. So the Gemara asks a question. You notice it's a long question. Our Mishnah said the woman is Chayevis Lonik Should we say that our Mishnah is the Lo Kebeishamai? The Sanya, Es A woman vowed, I'm not going to nurse my child. Beishamai Omrim Shemetis Dod Mipiv. Without the literal translation, basically, Beishamai saying she does not have to nurse. She is not bound to that. Shemetis Dod Mipiv literally means she removes the breast from the child's mouth. Beishil Omrim Kaifu Minikoso. The husband can force her to nurse the child. Nisgarsha, if there is a divorce. Ain't no kofa, then the former husband cannot force her to nurse the child. Vimhoya makira, if the infant recognizes the mother and doesn't want to nurse from anyone else, no saying loss hara, then the former husband will compensate the uh, his the former wife. When upon receiving compensation, financial compensation, then she is Obligated, she's forced to nurse the child because of the uh, the danger that the, that the, this poses to the child if she doesn't receive the mother's nursing. So at this point, then we've come to the end of our long question. Our Mishnah says that a woman is obligated to nurse the child, and be, and it would then seem that our Mishnah does not conform to Beishamai. The Gemara says, "Afilu Temo Beishamai." We can say that our Mishnah is in agreement with Beishamai. The reason that Beishamai says in this source that we just read that he that uh, she doesn't have to nurse kagon she nodra he v'kayim lahu. 
It's a case where the woman had vowed, uh, she vowed not to nurse the child, and the husband as, uh, seconded the motion. He, he confirmed her vow. The Kosavri Beishamai, who knows Saint Etzba Beishina, when a husband confirms his wife's vow, he is the one who is responsible for the vow. So he's basically foregoing the expectation that his wife should nurse the child. The literal, who knows Saint Etzba Beishina means he puts his finger between her teeth, but it's an expression meaning that it's viewed as the husband's vow. And so he's thereby foregoing the obligation that she otherwise would have had to nurse the child. And our Mishnah is referring to a case where no vows were taken, so that, that's the original obligation that the woman has to the husband. In such a case, that the vow is something that she is responsible for, even though he validated the vow, and she is she nevertheless is the one responsible for the vow, and she, though, was obligated to, yes, provide the nursing. So that's why Basila would have said that she's forced to continue nursing, even though a vow was taken. The Gemara asks if this machlokis Basila and Beishami revolves around her vowing and the husband's substantiating it or uh, um, validating it, then v'niflagu b'ksuba b'alma. Let them have their machlokis beisham beisilo in ksuba uh, in general. Uh, Rashi says the niflug b'ksuba alma nodra melehenoslo. She took a vow not to provide benefit to her husband. Vikayim law and he he validated that vow. Well beishamai omrim teitzei v'tito ksuba. Uh, he said, that that marriage cannot continue, and she should uh, leave and get her ksuba paid. And she, she should be divorced without receiving any ksuba. If you present the machlokas as we did, so it doesn't have to be presented in a very localized, focused form regarding nursing. So the um, the Gemara uh, continues the ode. Tanya, and furthermore, it's been taught uh, regarding all women, uh, even without a vow, if she doesn't want to nurse, she doesn't have to, even in the absence of a vow. So to explain that Beishamai said before that, uh, that she doesn't uh, she doesn't have to um, provide the nursing and we explained it's because uh, the husband validated the vow that's not that's not true that's not accurate Beishamai says even without his with, even out, without her vowing without the husband validating her vow she does not have to provide that that service it rather appears that our mission is simply not like Beishamai the Mishnah said, "Im uh, hoya makira." That we saw, I should say, in this uh, not not in the Mishnah, but in this uh, Tanaic source uh, regarding the uh, husband who divorced his wife. If the child, though, recognizes the mother, doesn't want to nurse from anyone else, so then he pays her, and she has to nurse the child. The Gemara continues at the top of Samachamad Aleph, Ad Kama. 
that that means from what age would a an infant start recognizing his mother? And is it, at, at what at what age would we say that this is a serious consideration? Omar Rava, Omar of Yirmiyah Baraba, Omar Rav, Shloisha Chadashim at three months of age. Ushmuel Omar Shloishim Yoim. You'll see that why we have this marked off with a dashed underline and there's an aleph in a, in a diamond. We'll, we'll appreciate that marking later. Shmuel says, Shloishim Yom at 30 days of age. And Rabbi Yitzhak Omar of Yochanan, Hamishim Yom at 50 days of age. On the side, we have a no say, a topic heading. Amrinon, we say, the Antinok Maki Resimo Veneroit Salonik Mecheres, he Chayevis Lanikoi. From what age does he recognize her? And we've already seen three opinions. Three months, 30 days, and 50 days. The Gemara continues, As far as the first opinion and the third opinion, These are reasonable ages, and each child according to its intelligence, its sharpness, there's some children that at 50 days will recognize their mothers, and some child's children takes longer till 90 days, till three months. And will Shmuel but but Shmuel's age 30 days. A child is who reaches 30 days of age at that early point. A child is going to be able to say to distinguish between his mother and and another woman, and and thereby, as we described before, will not accept nursing from other women because he recognizes his mother. He also Romi Bayecheskel Omar when Romi Bayecheskel came he said Lo Tatsisinu Lahani Kloli Dekayel Yehuda Achi Mishmei Dishmuel Don't listen to uh, those uh, principles or rules that that my brother Rav Yehuda says in the name of Shmuel. In other words, we didn't see Rav Yehuda's name in the Gemara, uh, but we can. Assume that the 30-day statement that Shmuel uh, was purported to have made was, uh, was information that we got from Rav Yehuda. So Romi Bayecheskel says, don't listen to his the, the rules that he says in the name of Shmuel. That my, don't listen to you, my brother, uh, Rabbi Yehuda, uh, who says these things in the name of Shmuel. Rather, Shmuel. And that's why now you can see we have a diamond with the base. Rather, thusly says Shmuel. Kol zman shemakira. There's no fixed time. All Shmuel said that whenever a child recognizes his mother and refuses to nurse from someone else, so then the aforementioned rule will apply. And now we have a little story of a woman divorced uh, that does not want to nurse her child. A woman like that, divorced, that came with a, an infant, and the case came to Shmuel. Omar lay le Ravdimi bar Yosef. Shmuel says to Ravdimi, Zil go check her, go check it out. Meaning, Rashi says, in Makira, does the infant recognize the mother? He took the mother and set her up a, in a lineup with other women. And Ravdimi took the infant and started passing the child, carrying the child uh, in front of the, uh, the women set up in the row, passing one by one. When the infant was brought to the, the actual mother, the, the infant started to look, masvi, to look at her face. 
Kavashtini la'eno minei, and the 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 mother uh, turned her eyes away, like hit her face. She turned away from the child. Omar law. So Rav Dimi said, Rav Dimi by Yosef said, Netaf einayach kum dori brech. Lift up your eyes and carry your child. It means you're, uh, you've got to take care of him. The Gemara asks, Suma menoyoda, a child, an infant at that age, uh, doesn't have refined sight. So based on what does the child recognize the mother? Omar Rav Ashi, the Rechovetaima. There's a smell, a scent, and there's a taste that the, that the child uh, is able to pick up on and, and recognize through those senses.